0: now for the show that brings combat sports stories to life from the great state of ohio this is forged in ohio hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of forged in ohio my name is jake murin and i'm the host of this very podcast for the first episode of forged in ohio i knew i had to welcome a special fighter to the show a fighter that I see a bright future in and a fighter that I believe will be known nationwide. He trains out of Columbus, Ohio at Immortal Martial Arts. He's a 2-0 and o professional athlete with a ton of amateur experience as well. He's coming off of the biggest win of his career in a first-round knockout last July. He is Miles Hershey Robinson. Thanks for coming on and welcome to the program, Miles. Hello, how are you doing, man? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Let's start by discussing how you started in this sport. What was your experience growing up in Ohio like, and how did you become involved with mixed martial arts?
1: Uh, so I went to high school in uh, Powell, Ohio. Went to Olin Tangy Liberty. Uh, started wrestling uh, my sophomore year of high school. Uh, found out I wasn't all that good at basketball. And uh, the wrestling coach, actually, I was at the basketball tryout didn't make the team, walked out of the gym, and my wrestling coach uh, came up to me and said, yeah, you uh, uh, should probably probably wrestle, huh? <laughs> and I was like, well, I need something to do during the wintertime to, uh, to stay in shape for football. And he said that wrestling was the best sport for that. So uh walked into the wrestling room. My dad uh, had wrestled his entire life, and I kind of had just stayed away from it, just didn't really – Dudes grabbing on dudes didn't really seem like my cup of tea. Uh, Fast forward, ended up loving it, and uh, AJ Dobson, who's in the UFC, uh, he's fighting on UFC 280 uh, with a classmate of mine, and he was also on the wrestling team, and after we had graduated, he's about two years older than me, uh, he had some car problems and needed a ride to the gym. Now, I had no interest, didn't care about fighting, didn't watch it, none of that, but uh, I was like, yeah, sure, I'll come check it out. Turns out it was uh, out in Fountain Ohio. and So I don't know if you know how big of a trip that is from Columbus to Fountain, but it's about an hour, maybe a little bit over. Uh, so I get there, realize I'm not driving back home, wasn't dropping them off. I'm going to have to stay because I'm not driving an hour back and coming back. He just happened to have a whole bunch of extra gear that day. Uh, I think it was a setup. But uh since that day, that was probably about six years ago. Uh I've been training ever since. Got beat up by Dan Spawn. Uh was the first person I ever sparred. He dropped me with the very first punch he threw. Didn't know what I was doing. And I was like, damn, this is awesome. And uh since then it's been I haven't looked back.
0: Awesome, and so you mentioned A.J. Dobson, that's a very familiar name to me and I'm sure a familiar name to many people that are fans of MMA from Ohio. What is your relationship with him now?
1: Uh, that's one of my best friends, uh, my main training partner. Um, I'll be going out to Abu Dhabi with him, helping uh, corner him. Uh, it's kind of cool. There's a lot of You meet a lot of people training and everything, but not many people know you from being, we were literally teenagers since we've known each other. And it's hard to stay that close with people from high school as it is, and even harder uh, keeping relationships in MMA because people train in different places, travel, all kinds of stuff. But, yeah, till this day, he's still one of my best friends.
0: Well, that's awesome to hear. That's definitely going to be some valuable experience for you, cornering him at UFC 280. I'm assuming he was one of those people in your life that exposed you to mixed martial arts. What really made you stick with the sport after you were exposed to it for the first day?
1: Really, it's a challenge to myself uh, watching it. Now, like I said, I wasn't really all that into it uh, when I was in high school or even into my early 20s. But once I started getting into it and seeing uh, the mental aspect of it, because there's a lot of stuff that you see and there's a lot of situations that you get in and you don't know how you're going to react to it. Um, So at first, it was, man, if I get hit in the face, uh, I feel like there's a lot of people that. Get, get emotional when they get in the face, but you're already fighting. So it was a, a test, more more. so. I started training, and I was like, man, I see these people do it for real because fighting without shin guards and having a guy really try and hurt you is a little bit, it's a lot different than sparring with a guy that you see every day. So um, it started off as, hey, let me dip my toe into it, see if I really if I really have uh, what it takes to do this. And after I got that little adrenaline adrenaline rush that first time, now, a little bit about myself, I don't like anything that's scary. I don't do haunted houses, don't do roller coasters. Anything that's like a thrill that I'm out of control of, don't like doing it. But you tell me to get into a cage with another grown-ass man and throw hands, I'm willing to do that. So uh, that gave me a rush and getting that feeling of winning on fight night, even like if I I have had some losses as an amateur, uh, that's still like the greatest feeling in the world is getting in there. And that's kind of where I get my little release of adrenaline and get my endorphins off. So, um, now I just love it. It's just something I enjoy doing.
0: Yeah. absolutely. I'm not a big horror fan as well. So I definitely relate to you in that aspect. When you were wrestling in high school, did that definitely compliment your style when you first were exposed to mixed martial arts?
1: Yes. Uh, when I first started, I was just strong and explosive. Um, and I had a good double leg. So, um, wrestling in high school i didn't really like i said i started as a sophomore so i didn't really pick up necessarily like how to wrestle until my senior year i ended up being a state alternate and uh like my senior year something just clicked at the very end of some techniques that somebody had shown me a whole bunch of times um when i started fighting you kind of just go back to what you know so when a punch got thrown at me nine times out of ten i would shoot And it would work because I was more athletic and stronger, stronger than everybody. Um, Now that uh, I'm a lot older and have Mark Coleman and those guys, I'm actually able to fine tune like those skills. Like I'm able to take the athleticism and fine tune those skills that I wasn't really able to or wasn't even mature enough to really understand at that point. And now I feel like wrestling is probably my strongest attribute or one of my strongest attributes.
0: I have to ask as well, what were those first few weight cuts like in high school?
1: I actually never cut weight in high school, which is crazy. Uh, I just wrestled up a weight class because I, w- I again I wasn't all that into it. So cutting weight for a sport I didn't really like all that much wasn't like the that that would didn't really sound all that cool to me. So I was like I was like, listen, man, I'll, I'm strong. I felt like I was strong enough to wrestle up a weight class. And then again, I wasn't skilled enough until my senior year to actually. Uh, make it into, like, the starting lineup in the roster. So I was wrestling, like, JV matches. So those kids weren't as good of an athlete and weren't just by who I was versus who they were, I was winning those matches. Um, Then my senior year, they kind of changed the weight weight classes. So I wrestled, I believe it was 195 my senior year, and I weighed 192. So I was, I just, coach, put me there. I don't want to cut weight. That sucks. I wasn't eating good, so I didn't know nutrition or anything like that. Uh, I really didn't cut weight, honestly, until about a couple years ago when I uh, dropped down to one seventy.
0: And how was that uh, difference fighting at one seventy?
1: The first weight cut was terrible. Didn't I was I would just put on a whole bunch of sweatpants. Didn't water load. Didn't do my nutrition right. I was eating whatever I wanted, eating pizza and cheeseburgers all the time. And then I would just go and just sweat as much as I could on a hot day. Um, now uh, one of my good friends, Eddie Robnek. Uh, he does all my nutrition for me. So uh, now I've had like some of the easiest weight cuts that I'm a baby when it comes to making weight, clearly because I just haven't done it that much. So I'm not like all that 100% used to it, but it's 100% easier than what it, what it was when I first started.
0: How did you get involved with Immortal Mixed Martial Arts and what's training like with uh, Columbus MMA legend Matt Brown?
1: It's awesome. So uh, I met Matt through AJ Dobson again. Uh, AJ was one of his... Uh, training partners, I believe it was the uh, camp for Mike Pyle uh, it was when AJ started training with them and after that camp they came back and AJ brought me to Westside Barbell with him one day.n't uh, again because he didn't his car wasn't working or something like that. And they literally had me sit outside the gym for about a year and I would just be around. and one day uh, nobody showed up to a practice. And Matt was like, Hey man, you got gear? And I was like, Yeah, I was like, Yeah, I got gear And he was like, Come on, let's work out. He beat the dog crap out of me. It was so <laughs> bad. And I came back the next day. And one thing with Matt is Matt like if you pay attention to how Matt works and everything, you can he'll give you the world. He's just he's an Ohio guy, so you just kinda gotta pick it up as he's showing you. It's not gonna be a whole lot of talking and explanation. It's gonna be you watch and absorb and do as I do. So he's kind of raised me and AJ up through uh, through our amateurs, through our pro careers. We've been a part of his camp. So as Matt's gone, he's uh, always brought me around, uh, had me help him for his Brian Barberena camp, uh, doing some training with him, being a good sparring partner, uh, showing me the ropes. He also uh, cornered me for my pro debut. So having him in the backstage, giving me uh, all kinds of pointers and everything has been been awesome.
0: That Brian Barbarina fight, I got to ask, who won that fight?
1: Matt Brown won that fight, man. That was, that was, that was some bullcrap, but but it's all good. Uh, you can, can, uh, can't live in the past, but I fully believe that he, he won that fight, especially in, in your hometown, man. You got to give that to, to, to the man.
0: Yeah, as do I believe that as well. You said that you waited out of the gym for a year. Talk to me about that process. How did you stay there and not give up throughout that whole year?
1: West side west side is the invitation only gym so at that point in time uh i believe i may have had one amateur fight and it was kind of like this guy um and aj would just say hey this is my my friend he's trying to train whatever and aj would just tell me hey just keep showing up which is true with everything you just gotta keep showing up so um, i would go to the gym we would leave west side after they would get an hour workout and leave west side uh, go to a, wherever we were training up at that time. Um, Matt and AJ would train, and then I would get some extra work in with AJ after the fact, because Matt was getting ready for a fight. He didn't want to train with who's this dude? Like you don't even know anything. You don't have have any like accolades or credentials to help me out. Um, one day they were deadlifting, and somebody, whoever the strongest guy in the group, missed his max, and AJ or somebody. Said that I was strong, and said, "Yo, I think he could. I think he could pull that right now." So it was like five oh five on the bar. I went in cold and pulled it, and everybody was like, "Oh crap, this guy's really strong." From that day, I was I was part of the crew.
0: I mean, five oh five. I couldn't imagine lifting that much weight. Were you stressed going into that, or did you know, hey, I got this?
1: No, I've always been uh, the kind of person that I feel like if my legs are underneath me until I can't, until I can't do it believe I can do it. Like so I have to fail otherwise like there's nothing you could tell me. If I fully believed I could jump up a building and fly until I fell off of it and crashed to the ground, I in my head I can convince myself I can do it. So I went in and I think it's on my Facebook too, the day that I did I had like my high school track shorts on or something. My whole thigh was out. But uh <laughs> went in, pulled it like it was nothing, uh haven't looked back and then from there I actually ended up I think I I have it documented somewhere on Facebook. I've deadlifted seven hundred. I've got pretty close to getting the one of the records on Westside's uh, lifting board at one point in time. Um I'm pretty pretty strong for my weight class, man. I can throw throw some people
0: around. Yeah, sounds like it. Talking to Miles Hershey Robinson on Forge in Ohio. Talking about your career now, you were seven and two as an amateur. Something I found interesting in your topology was that the first two fights of your amateur career were finished just four seconds apart and both ended by first-round submission via rear naked choke. Was this something you were targeting when you began your amateur career? And did you ever realize that those first two fights were so similar?
1: No, I actually didn't realize that they were all that similar. And no, those first two fights um, was really just me figuring out what being in the cage felt like. Like, I can't even remember like how how they went, because it felt like a blur when I was when I was there. I was just going on reaction. There wasn't really much game plan or anything that went into those fights. It was just, hey, this is what we practice, Go execute it. And it just ended up being, I think I went out and tried to stay on the feet with the guys for a little bit. And at some point, punches got thrown back at me. And from that point on, I just shot a double leg. And I believe those two guys, I was, a way better athlete than those two guys at that point in time. So based on athleticism, I think it just kind of went that way. But no, nah, there wasn't any game plan that went into my debut. I didn't really start game planning until like later on in my career.
0: Yeah, You had a great run as an amateur with only two losses, one via split decision and one via submission. After going 7-2, and two, when did you decide that you were ready to go pro in MMA?
1: It was probably, so I had taken some time off. I had some health issues that I had to get taken care of. Um, and when I came back, I took an amateur fight. I believe it was the beginning or beginning of 2021, and after that fight, I was going to take one more amateur fight, but I had an injury that I was dealing with. And I remember me and uh, my coaches and everybody got together, and I was, like, really frustrated with everything, and they were like, well, if you take this time and just develop your skills to go pro, I think this this little gap that you have right here it was just it like, it'll never have happened. You would fought. I was planning on turning pro by the end of the year anyways. So I just took that time, rehabbed, got everything together. And my coaches felt like, uh, one thing Coleman always says is like, you got to find out one way or the other. He was like, well, if you want to be a pro, you got to turn pro and figure it out. There's no point in, in holding back. I've already had so many amateur fights. I felt like my skills were there. It was just a matter of pulling everything together and getting the, the proper shape it was really, uh, one thing that I feel like is the real big difference between, because a fight is a fight. the Only difference between amateurs and pros, to me personally, is the time difference. Because when you're three minutes into an amateur fight, that's just halfway over, halfway through the, uh, through the round, in a pro fight. That's a real when you're, uh, when you're dealing with that kind of stuff, especially during my pro debut. I remember getting, it was three minutes left, and I'm like, dog, this round is so long. I'm like, what is going on? And now, in my pro debut, I, was, I dominated that fight. But I remember, after that round ended, the only thing going through my mind was, or I, I finished that in the second round, going through my mind was, man, I hope I'm not tired. I was like, yo, I really hope I'm not tired. Um, but having Coleman in my corner, that's the one thing that he, we go to deep water every day. So uh, that, that transition, maturity-wise, and then cardio-wise, from that last amateur fight to there, that was a real big difference that uh, that kind of changed from amateur miles to pro miles.
0: You've mentioned Mark Coleman, I think, three times now. How did you link up with him, and what role does he serve in your, in your life and in your career?
1: I met Coleman at the gym. He was helping Matt for one of his camps. And now he's been around for a while. And the funny part is the first conversation I had with him was we had gone out to the contender series fight for aj out in vegas and this was the first time that i was like around him for like a decent period of time more than like just an hour or two and me and aj were training and doing whatever and we he was putting us through workouts and stuff and at some point in time he pulls me to the side and he told me he thought i was he was like hey man he said, i thought you were a dweeb this whole time and maybe he didn't say dweeb or something like that. But something around those lines. He's like, I thought you were like a nerd or something. And I was like, no, I like fight for real. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah. I was like, I fight. I was like, AJ didn't just bring me out here just because. And he was like, so what are your, what are your goals? And I was like, I want to be the best. And he was like, I can help you. He's like, now, when I say I can help you, I'm going to be on you. So when I tell you this or when you be careful with your words. And I told him, I was like, whatever help you can give me, I'm willing to accept that. And since then... We're damn near inseparable. He texts me every day, make sure that I'm good, making sure my mental's okay. He's at every practice. Um, when I had my last fight, me and him hopped in the car, drove up to Michigan, beat a guy, drove back. So it's awesome. It's it's uh, one of the the greatest things ever. Cause even though I wasn't that big into MMA, like as like a youngster, like you know who Mark Coleman is. So to be able to like hop in the car, I compare it to like some of my friends that aren't into fighting. It's like hopping in the car with Magic Johnson, going to a basketball tournament, winning the tournament, and then coming back. Like You can't put a price tag on A, the experience that he has, the wealth of knowledge that he has, and then the fact that I have somebody that's confident in me who's done it is, uh, speaks volumes.
0: Yeah, well, I love to hear that you beat up a guy from Michigan. That's a great story from Ohio. It sounds like you have a great support system around you, and you mentioned your first pro fight. You knocked out Ryan Houghton in your professional MMA debut. It only took you 12 seconds into the second round to get it done. You talked about some of the challenges with the cardio and you're coming off some injuries. Explain what that feeling was like going into your first pro fight and getting a win the way you did.
1: You obviously had a lot of excitement uh, going into that fight. Uh, It was... Really, I had, I had Matt, Coleman, and AJ were in the back with me. And one thing Matt was always saying was, he says every time I fight, he was like, this is the fun part. So I, I got a little bit of nerves in the back. Um, but then I was like, man, I, I really, I re-. now when I talked about my cardio, I was in really good shape for that fight because I was so nervous about, because everybody I talked to, everyone that had made that transition from an amateur to a pro says that extra two minutes, kills you and not maybe not kills you but that's something that's that's an adjustment because when you're getting done with your round it's a different pace and everything so i trained like a madman for that fight i I was really prepared uh compared to how i I train now like i'm night and day from that point but at that point that was the hardest i had trained for a fight up until that to that thing so going into it i was really confident but when it came down to it this guy um Record aside, he had had three professional fights. So uh, going into it, I'm like, man, uh, he's experienced this. Uh, he was a little bit bigger than I thought he was going to be, all this stuff. But at the end of the day, if I am who I think I am, and I think I have the ability and the skill and the work ethic to be uh, one of the best, if not the best, the people that step in front of me, what's going to happen to them is going what's going to happen to them. I just have to trust in my in my work. So getting in there. Um, I remember at the end of the end of the first round, that's where the the little worm had got into my head. I wonder whether I'm gonna be be tired. I remember I take a deep breath like I was freaking out about it too and before then, I wasn't breathing hard i was in I was in really good shape, and my breathing started to get out of out of control just because the the worm in my brain was telling me I should be tired and I remember I sit down, Matt tells me to take a deep breath, and I was good. And I was like, oh man. It's time to have fun. It's time to have fun. So I went out there and I kind of uh, my demeanor felt like it changed a little bit. I felt a lot more comfortable. And even in my last fight, carrying carrying on from that first fight to the last fight, I know if I'm in really good shape, everything else is is gonna kick, gonna play itself out. As long as I'm, I don't have to have that doubt or worry about. Damn, I wonder if I'm gonna get tired. Uh, I wonder if my body's gonna give out on me. Those are the two things I know that I can control. Uh, my skill, I can. I'm constantly getting better. That's just part of being an athlete and being professional. But being in really good shape and making sure that my body's taken care of, if I go in there, yo, know, if I'm a better fighter than you, I'm a better fighter than you. If you get tired before me, now it's now it's different. Now now we we were on the beach, we took dipped our toe in the water. Farther I take you out there, I start hearing you breathe breathe heavy. Now I know you can't swim, and I'm a really good swimmer. So now we're going to
0: see what happens. I love that analogy. Once again, this is Miles Hershey Robinson with us on Forged in Ohio. Let's talk about your last fight and win last July over Robert Padamani at B2 Fighting Series 170 in the co-main event. Of course, you won via knockout in the first round, but you faced adversity getting there. Padamani came out swinging right away and locked you up in a guillotine and had you in it for nearly a minute. How did you survive the submission attempt and escape from what the announcers made seem like the end of the fight?
1: That choke was was really tight, not not gonna lie. And the actual aim for that fight was to never go to the ground. I wasn't planning on wrestling him all that much. Now, if it need be, it was that was what's was gonna happen. But I wasn't expecting him to run across the cage at me right before the fight. Me and uh, Coleman had talked about. Uh, I was eerily calm, so I felt like I couldn't get my engine going. And right before the fight started, I hear his coaches say. Be first, be first, be first. And his demeanor changed. And I was like, oh, man, he's about to run across the cage at me. And I remember thinking, damn, he's about to sprint right at me. And then the fight started, and he sprinted right at me. I was like, oh, man. So now we just ended. it. He started throwing. I started throwing. I connected like four, four punches or something like that. And I go to circle out, and his body's wide open for a shot. And I'm like, man, that's a free takedown give me that and sometimes you zig when you should have zagged and he grabbed hold of my neck so fast and it was so tight but when you get get into those positions now that's where training comes in like i i get in bad i train really hard and put myself in bad positions so when i get in bad positions and fights i can work my way out of it because i've been there before I have, I have a trainer partner that he grabs guillotines all the time so I've had a lot of practice in getting out of those. It was just a matter of being being calm and knowing the proper steps and trusting my training. So it got pretty tight. About 30, 40 seconds into being in the choke, I start to hear him. Like he's breathing really heavy. And like I said, everything is cool when we're on the beach. When we get out in the middle of the ocean, things start getting a little bit different. So now I hear him breathing heavy. And I'm like, man. It's only like a minute into the fight. Now it felt like an hour, but I'm know like the fight just started. So I'm like, you needed this to win. Like that's how I, how I felt in that while I'm in the choke. I'm like, like you're selling out for this choke right now. So calm down, calm myself down, work my way out, tuck, uh, get my chin out. We get back up to the feet, and he can't bring his hands up to his head. I'm like, you're you're done, you're 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 done at that at that point. I'm in way better shape. Like I, I train. Coleman has drilled into my head, and I keep on saying his name. But he's drilled this into my head. We're not training for these guys. We're training to be a world champ. I am, a, I'm training to become a world champ at some point in time. Now, whenever that comes, it's not a, if not a sprint. It's a marathon. So it may take some time to get there. But that is what that is what the goal is. And if I'm training for anything other than that, I'm doing myself a disservice. So. When we get back on up to the feet, I'm not breathing heavy in any way, shape, or form, and you just sold out to finish me. Now it's time to eat.
0: Yeah, once you're out of the guillotine, you landed a beautiful head kick, knee, and right hand combo that dropped your opponent. You let him back up, only to knock him out moments later. It sounds like you knew you had him done as soon as you got back to your feet because he was exhausted, like you said. Talk to me about the emotion and adrenaline that you felt after knocking someone out the way you did at B2 Fighting Series 170 in July.
1: It's real. Uh the the greatest part about about fighting is that 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 adrenaline rush, that that thrill of victory. There's nothing like fight night. The next days pretty cool, and then when you start camp, it's like you start back over. You go it's like it's like a like a roller coaster. Like I said, I don't like doing doing amusement parks and all that stuff and roller coasters. But it's like you climb up the hill, that's camp. You're going through, it and it's all the anxiety. Oh, man, man, I'm up really high. Training's like, man, I feel tired, da-da-da, all this stuff. Man, this guy might be dangerous. Oh, man, cool. Then you get there, and you win. That's the top of the hill, and you come crashing down. It's the biggest adrenaline rush ever. Then the next day, you got to do it again. So it's really, it's, it's like the greatest drug on earth. It's chasing that, chasing that feeling. There's nothing that I can really. I wish I had the words to explain it, but like my wife and my my parents say, like that's pure miles. Like just when they see like the the most joy out of me. Like I like love my kids and everything, but like this the selfish part of me. That's what I like. That's where I get like, able to get like the the inner uh, primal. Shout out to Liver King. <laughs> I'm gonna let my primal be out. You know what I'm saying. So that's that's the the best part especially a knockout the only thing that might be better than a knockout and this is a little sadistic is is submitting somebody because they like they quit a knockout's not a choice like if i if hand hits you a certain way you wake up that's that's kind of what it is at this point like the, up until a certain point if my right hand touches you you wake up you're looking at the ceiling um I want to get to the point where I'm making people quit instead of knockouts so I would like, in my head, that's a little bit cooler. Uh, just getting somebody to say, yo, I don't want this anymore, that would be a little bit more awesome. And I haven't had that feeling as a professional. I don't count my little amateur uh, submissions. But as a professional, I want to take some heads home of, yo, I don't want to be in here with this guy anymore. That would be awesome to me.
0: I love that fighting spirit. But a, a finish is a finish, though, no?
1: Yeah, a finish is a finish. I want to get in and get out. But when you're grading finishes – Submissions are submissions, and just making the guy quit, in my personal opinion, is cooler. Now I will take knockouts because I want to go home. I still want to be pretty and everything. You know, I need my wife to still like me and all this stuff. Marketability. Make sure I can get my IG pictures off after the fight. But if it just came down to like I broke this dude, that's awesome. That's pretty cool. Like, because nobody can have you. Somebody can leave that fight. If I knock you out and say, hey, I got caught, if I if I broke you, you can't. There's no explanation for that. you got to just be honest with what happened.
0: Absolutely. You fought last July. It's obviously October now when we're recording this. When can fans expect to see you back in the cage, and could it be before the end of the year?
1: Planning on fighting uh, December 17th in Kokomo, Indiana. Still waiting to get an opponent, but hopefully we have one uh, in a contract here soon. But definitely want to get in there before the end of the year, get something in. Uh, December 17th actually would probably be almost an exact year. I think I fought on December 19th for the same promotion last year. So that would be a whole year worth of fighting, 3-0 and within a year, start off my pro career with the same promotion in the year with that same promotion. That would be pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, December 17th. Everyone listening, right down that date, Miles Robinson is coming back. Right now, you are ranked 7th overall among welterweights in Ohio. Is this something you pay attention to at all, and what's your goal moving forward in your pro career?
1: No, I don't really pay attention to that. Uh, one quote that I've, I have heard recently is, comparison is the, uh, the thief of happiness or the thief of joy, something like that along those lines. So I don't like looking at and seeing like how I'm compared to other people. My journey is my journey. Uh, my goals are my goals. Uh, that's independent of what anybody else is doing. Uh, so as long as I keep that in mind and stay stay on my path to make the decisions that are best for me and train to be the best that I can be, what will happen will happen. So, But the goals for myself remain the same. I Only one person can be the best in the world. Why not me? And that's really it. That's really what I want, want out of this is to my kids to be able to go to a really good school, my wife to have a nice house, and... All of that to be funded off me knocking people out, taking necks. That, that would be awesome. If my kids can go to school and be like, hey, my dad's the best in the world at what he does, and because of that, I get to go to school with you, Mr. Microsoft guy's daughter, and my son can say, hey, rich dude, my dad beats people up, and your parents watch him, and that's why I get to live next to you. That's pretty cool, man. That's pretty awesome.
0: Absolutely. We talked about your support system, and sounds like it's a lot of UFC guys. We're in a time in combat sports where it feels like the UFC might not be the destination for everyone, or at least there are competing promotions. Would signing with a PFL or maybe even a Bellator interest you, or is it strictly UFC or nothing?
1: Again, I want to, like, fund cool things for my family and everything. So if another organization comes along and, listen, right now I'm working a 9-to-5 job, um, being a parent to two and training MMA full time. If somebody comes in with a with a contract that allows me to not have to work work a real job anymore and I can train, a that's only going to be a better miles because I'm gonna be able to dedicate most of my time to to fighting and doing all that. And b if I, still if, like it goes back to being what my goal is. My goal is to be the best in the world. If I believe I'm the best in the world. The UFC will be there. If I go to another organization and I dominate, after that contract, I can still go back. Now, the UFC is like the NFL. I would love to be able to end my career saying that I made it to the UFC and everything like that. But at the same time, I like fighting. We gotta, I gotta make money at some point. So I don't want to uh, pigeonhole myself.
0: Exactly, that's a good answer. Talking to Miles Hershey Robinson on Forge in Ohio, let's discuss your life aside from fighting. I noticed that you are a business owner of the brand Don't Melt Clothing, and I gotta be honest, the designs look sharp. I know you're expecting a relaunch soon, but tell the listeners about the brand.
1: Yeah, so um, I like to call it like an athleisure brand. Um, I like dressing up, looking nice, everything. Uh, so the Don't Melt it's more so um, a calling card of mine. Uh, people that have came to see my early uh, amateur fights, they would hear me say, chocolate don't melt. Now, I've spoken a lot about my cardio and everything, and uh, when I'm training, that's one thing that I like to like to go to is, is to not melt. The story behind it comes from in high school, I wrestled a guy, and my coach told me, hey, uh, chocolate melts. That was about the end of it. He said, get to the second period, chocolate's going to melt. Didn't really think about it all that much until I started fighting, uh, mentioned it to one of my wrestling coaches and he was like, Hey, that's kind of, kind of weird. And I was like, thought about it. Uh, I'm a black dude. I grew up in, went to high school in Powell, having a coach tell me, Hey, chocolate melts, get them to the third period. Kind of, kind of hit my spirit a little bit. I was like, man, it kind of gives you the perception of what like people may think of, think of you. Now, I will go back to in high school. That was a hundred percent fact. Chocolate melted in, in the second period. But still, I don't want to be looked like looked at uh, in that lens. So as a as a fighter, it started off as no one's gonna look at me that way. I'm gonna make sure I'm in the best shape possible. So even though you may think I'm a better athlete and I'm explosive, you think I'm gonna get tired, I'm gonna gas. That's not gonna be that's not gonna be the case. I'm not gonna break. You're not gonna melt me. I did have that uh, period of time where I stepped away from fighting. That was a, a dark time. Everybody's gone through their through their struggles and all their uh, mishaps or trials and tribulations, but it's kind of changed from just a physical calling card to an overall mental calling card. Uh, when times get hard, you got to keep that in your mind to not melt. It's been pretty cool walking around with the shirts on and everything. My friends wear them, and people come up to me. Uh, or may go up to my friends, and they kind of understand the gist of what it is without a conversation more so. And with that, I want to build the brand up so as I grow, I can give that message to other people, Uh, especially in the area that we're in with a lot of mental health and everything. There's a lot of people struggling out there. I struggle myself. Uh, Just giving somebody a little glimmer of hope, giving somebody a little calling card that they might be able to use in their own life, that's really what I want to get out of it. And also, I want people to feel like they look cool and like feel kind of swagged out because that's part of it. Sometimes if I'm having a bad day, if I put a nice fit on, man, I'll be looking good sometimes. I know I don't have my camera on, but y'all go check out my IG and when y'all get a chance. I'll be looking fine sometimes.
0: Yeah, man. Look good, feel good, do good, right? Yes, sir. You mentioned mental health, and I I was actually going to bring that up here. I really enjoyed looking at your social media because it was very authentic. People in... The MMA scene can act very tough and fake on social media. So seeing your page was was kind of refreshing for me. In a recent post on Instagram, you talk about your big swings and emotions and how you have used therapy and counseling for help. I think your honesty and the Don't Melt brand is very admirable. You've been around an MMA gym more in your 28 years of life probably than I will ever spend in a gym. What's the mental toll on the life of an MMA fighter like?
1: I'm going to be honest, it's a, little, it's a little rough. Mainly due to, um, because of the sport, it's so, there's so much machismo and macho in it. There's rarely, rarely do you find someone that's willing to have those honest conversations with you because nobody wants to be vulnerable. And that's one thing that I've seen and that's one thing I try and try and be. And I see that it helps me out uh, mentally myself is being honest about what I'm going through and being vulnerable in those moments. Um, Cause if you hold that stuff in, it just, it just eats at you. I've, I've said earlier about the worm that that gets into your head. Uh, if you let that worm stay there and you don't get it out, it's just gonna continue to eat at you. So there's a, there's a lot. There's the, the mental toll of, again, I work another job, I have a family. There's always, especially until you get there, till you get to the mountain. Now the UFC, when when you get to the bigger organizations, the UFC isn't the top to the mountain. So when I get there, I just get the right to climb the mountain, right? Where I'm at right now is getting everybody to believe that I can even get get to the mountain. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm hiking right now. MMA is a, a new sport. It's not that lucrative up front until you get there. And even when you get there, like I said about the different organizations, depending on where you're at, it might not be the most money, but it's still a dream and you have to convince other people of that dream. Like I tell my wife I'm painting a picture right now, and I don't have any sketches, nothing done. I'm just telling you, yo, when I get done with this picture, it's gonna be beautiful. And now, you might show up halfway through the picture, and it looks terrible. And somebody comes up and tells you some artwork that you're making is terrible, it's gonna hurt you a little bit. You feel like that, man. This is my baby. Like I'm like, you you just don't see it yet, but it still hurts. But you just have to continue. To tell yourself in your mind, hey, as long as I get this picture, they will see the vision at a certain point. So right now I'm in the middle of painting this picture. And some people see see what it's going to be at the end. Some people don't. It's just a matter of keeping uh, keeping an eye on the vision of what it's going to be in the end, the end goal. A lot of times, especially with myself, is I want the outside noise. Uh, like I, I have a job. It's a pretty good job. I could go do that instead of coming into the gym. And getting punched and kicked and stuff all the time. Uh, I got a beautiful wife and kids. They, I could spend more time with them. But again, this is my my little selfish thing that I want to do to fund and make things easier for them. So at the same time, when sometimes I feel down about how things may go in the gym, man, I should I should just settle down and just go ahead and work this job real quick. I got to understand that the end goal of what this is going to be to make my life easier. Or maybe not easier, who knows what the future holds. But what I how I wanna change my life and make things better for myself is through this. As long as I keep my eye on this goal and I continue to paint this picture, at some point in time everybody's gonna see it and they're gonna be like, Oh because at the end of the day, everybody just wants to see see me succeed. At least the people that I have, I don't keep people that wanna people that hate on me or don't want me to do good, you don't have a place in my life. I keep positive people around me. And the people around me, they might not see the end goal. But as long as I keep painting and keep on chipping away at my uh, at my goals and my dreams, they're going to be the happiest people for me. So that's what keeps me
0: going. Was there something that you did in your life or maybe a turning point where, you know, the mental health issues kind of took to the side and then you really focused on painting that picture and moving forward in your career and in your job with your family?
1: Yeah, uh, me and my sister had a conversation one day. I don't want to get too like, deep into it. But she uh, just thought I should talk to a therapist. And one day, I took her up on it, reached out to her. um, And this was actually leading up to me. I said I had that little gap in time. During that gap gap in time where I wasn't fighting, uh, I was depressed as hell, drinking, all kinds of stuff. I started talking to my therapist leading up to that that fight um, and just got some stuff off my chest that I had been dealing with. That was the first step into me growing up really to be honest, there was a lot of like immaturity, um, that I was dealing with. Um, just a lot, just a lot of stuff that I had to like, uh, come to terms with, deal with, learn about myself. And I think that's one thing like I, life wasn't terrible. It just could be better is really, really what it was. Um, and how much better it's turned out to be. It's I, that was one of the greatest things I could I could have ever have ever done was just reach out for help. Um, a lot of men especially take in a lot of stuff and don't have a way to get it out. And especially with the people around you, you want to be as strong as you can for the people around you. So talking maybe to just someone that you don't know is sometimes the best thing you can do because they don't judge you. You don't have to – it's just somebody on the other side of the phone or maybe you go to see somebody in person. But uh, talking to somebody – that didn't know what was going on, had no way to judge what I had going on in my life, and to be able to just get it out took a, a weight off my shoulders and allowed me to be a little bit more free, enjoy fighting. Because a lot of times you get angry, and now you carry that into the gym. Now the gym is the place where uh, you may have anxiety about uh, what's going on. Now I go into the gym, the gym is a place of happiness. I, I have fun. It's, it's joy. Now I might not want to train that day, but I'm doing something I enjoy, and there's no extra connotation on that because I'm trying to uh, use that as like a vessel to get some anger or anything out. I'm using it as a thing to, that I love to do.
0: It's great to hear that you're in a better place now. A figure on your social media that people can see a lot of looks to be your son. Is that indeed your son?
1: Yeah, that's my son. I got a little uh, blonde-haired, blue-eyed twin.
0: You have called him the best training partner in your posts. What is it like to have him around in the gym and have him see you go to work in the gym?
1: Awesome. Listen, if this fighting stuff doesn't pan out for me, he's getting us out the hood. Uh, (laughs) He's been in the gym literally since he was probably like four or five months old. I was bringing him in and probably, yeah, before he could walk, he was in the gym. I would bring him in in his crib and put him off the side of the mat. And he just built interest. Now, I don't, I won't ever force fighting or anything. If he wants to be a a chess player, he can be whatever he wants to be. But because he enjoys it, and it's a place where he goes and has fun, like, I can't make an excuse to not get better. So with that, coming to the gym, I'm bringing my son with me. What's the best way to get a workout if nobody else is there? We playing tag. Now, that sounds crazy, playing tad to get in shape, but I got some really good workouts for it, like half of my last camp was me training with him, and we have a blast, like having something that I can share with him, and he's a kid, he doesn't know the people that he's around, the people that he's experiencing uh like Coleman is like Superman in him, he thinks he's like the greatest thing ever, and he doesn't really understand who Coleman is. he just thinks he's like Coleman's a cool dude a j AJ is just his uncle. Like, he sees all these people, and now when he gets older, it's going to be real awesome when it starts to click in his head, like, who these people are and everything. But now it's just something fun that he likes to do. Man, if I showed – I'm going to take some more videos and post them on my social media of some of the stuff that he can do. Like, he's pretty, pretty talented. Now, it's not off of – he just watches and observes, and then he does it. I don't sit down and do – couldn't make him do drills or anything like that he just observes and absorbs kids are like sponges so uh seeing that it's awesome he does have a uh an older sister uh my daughter she's seven now she keeps him in check because he comes home and thinks he can he can run things now because he knows how to do a little throw a little punches and shoot a couple takedowns now she keeps him in check that's our little uh she's our enforcer at the house but it's awesome having them with
0: me you might have answered my next question with that, but I'm going to steal one of Ariel Hawani's favorite questions here. As your son grows up, would you encourage him to follow in your footsteps as a fighter? Or if he tells you, hey, I want to be a fighter when I grow up, would you be opposed to that or encourage him and help him with that journey?
1: I wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, honestly, whatever makes my kids happy is I'm with whatever. So if fighting is going to make him happy, listen, go ahead. Now let him know what my journey was and the things I can help him. But as long as he he's like, hey dad, this makes me happy and this is what I want to do, I just want him to try and be the best at whatever it is and whatever that is, I hope it's what makes him happy at the end of the day. So that's we really about it. I just want my kids to be happy.
0: Absolutely. I would definitely like to see you and your son playing tag on Instagram. That'd be pretty funny. But um yeah, I'm not sure if you pay attention to your weight class in the UFC. I'm assuming you do. But there was a seismic shakeup in the welterweight division in the promotion with Leon Rocky Edwards head kick KO of kamar Usman. What did you think of that insane moment? Were you watching? What did you think?
1: Um, I was watching. I was in my house screaming and yelling. Um, I thought it was awesome. Now, the rematch is what's going to be interesting to me because whose confidence is up? Because... Usman dominated that fight, but he got he woke up, like uh, he got slept. So it's gonna be a it's gonna be interesting to see who's
0: gonna have
1: the confidence going into that. Because Usman, based on the entire fight, should have all the confidence in the world. And then again, it's I got caught. He didn't quit. He didn't he didn't get broken. He got caught. On Leon's side, I caught you. So I, all I gotta do is just do that earlier. You know what I'm saying? Or it doesn't matter how early it happens. I, Even though it was at the end of it, I still knocked you out at the end of it. So he might have all the confidence in the world that Usman, A, can't get him up out of there, and B, I got you out of there. So that's going to be interesting to see. I uh, personally think Usman goes out there and in the second fight wins it. I just think skill for skill. I don't think Leon can go out there and replicate what he did i just don't i just don't see that happening like that was 20 24 minutes of ass whooping for for the most most part i guess there was a couple parts earlier in the fight that were a little shaky but for the most part who had his had his way with them but but it'll be interesting to see see how that dynamic shifts
0: yeah, it seems like a rematch is on its way. I was gonna ask you for a prediction because I'm on a different podcast with my friend Alex Henry, and we compete with predictions. So it's great that you have Usman winning. Do you have him winning by decision, KO, submission? What do you think?
1: I have it by decision. Yeah, I don't think he'll get him out of there, but I think it'll be it'll be a decision. He might TKO late in like the fourth round or like maybe, but that's I would lean more towards a. A decision than anything
0: yeah, that's kind of where i'm leaning as well well thank you for the prediction uh, we know to catch you on december 17th and good luck to aj dobson as well at ufc 280 probably going to get some great corner experience out of you as well before i let you go miles i need one more thing from you this is forged in ohio you fight out of columbus so i know you'll get this chant right oh H- I O. Thank you, man. Yes, I love it. Thank you for the time, Miles. Good luck in training. Hopefully we see you in the cage soon on December 17th. And hopefully we get to talk to you again then as well. All
1: right. Sounds good. Thank you.
0: That was Miles Hershey Robinson. And that was the first edition of of Forged in Ohio, I'd like to thank Miles again for his time. I hope you all enjoyed that interview. I know I certainly did. The action for Forged in Ohio isn't going anywhere. And next week, I'll sit down with a 3-0 amateur MMA fighter from Canton, Ohio, who has racked up all three wins in this calendar year. Until then, share and subscribe to this podcast. I've been your host, Jake Murren, and this was Forged in Ohio.